You're listening to The John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. Governor McKee, look where he finds himself right now. He's coming off a, a rough stretch of weeks. He doesn't have anything really in the pipeline that is following up on what his campaign promises were. I want to remind people that the stadium in Pawtucket right now is on pause, even though the McKee people, and I think even the mayor of Pawtucket were trying initially saying it was still going to happen. Uh, There are others that say just the opposite. I believe the speaker has even said that it is not happening. The Fane Tower is gone as far as the truck tolls that were expected to bring in $45 million a year. They are trying to appeal that, so that is still held off. Uh, and then you have the Superman building, which seemingly there's nothing going on with it. They, they want more money. The stadium wants more money. As we have talked about, a lot of these projects that Governor McKee put forward, it's all publicly funded partnership as a result of that. Uh, the money right now is just not there because of rising interest rates, the high cost of building, the high cost of materials, supply chain problems. And, and, and people need to understand, if, if you have private developers, someone purchases a piece of land and someone is then, and this is happening all over the place and every single day, someone wants to build a home. So they purchase the land, they get someone that's going to build their home. And if they run into problems with roofing materials, problems with whatever type materials, a problem with um, the, the builder in some way, or there's a redesign or whatever the various things that can can happen and go wrong for anyone that's building their own home or a building that is that's their situation that is for them to hammer out between their contractor between their workers whatever it may be where this is different is the state enters into these partnerships and the state does not and should not be involved with these types of partnerships because they want taxpayer money and governor mckee is giving them taxpayer money and what do they want they want more taxpayer money so you're facing and looking at a governor right now where he's really at a crossroads there's nothing developing if you uh go into the city there's no as gina ramundo used to say there's no cranes in the sky there's no economic activity you see some people teamsters are striking and have a picket line at RISD, but there's no building going on and the things that really got governor mckee over the hump and got him elected was the promise that the unions organized labor was going to build a 125 to 150 million dollar soccer stadium in Pawtucket. that's paused now keep in mind there's then cost overruns there's overtime there's maintenance that's a huge huge project that they're then constantly doing other stuff and then if anyone you know all types of work surrounding that uh that would come into play that would just be you know that that is just an, uh, an absolute money pit the superman building 220 million dollar project now the developer wants more state money now he's saying it's going to be more like 250 possibly 300 million and the state would be on the hook for that and then they start building and then what then what happens then they say it's it's too big to fail oh this is happening we're only halfway done we need more money or then organized labor they try to get someone who elected who will give them more money so these are all the exercises that governor mckee is going in so he can have these different press conferences about and it's it's ridiculous you know congressman langevin and cybersecurity <laughs> and this other foolishness but it's still there's there's no one hiring right now not really um there's there's no companies trying to be lured there's no uh element of trying to bring in i'll i'll give um governor Ramundo credit at least she was trying to get she tried to get ge to relocate here instead they chose boston she tried to get paypal to come into the city 
um, that the best they could do was when citizens was pulling out of Cranston, they kept them in Rhode Island. They set up shop in Johnston. You notice Johnston has become the place where, you know, Amazon and citizens, Johnston with the mayor, with the different provisions they have, it's just an easier business climate, seemingly, to set up things and do things, certainly much more so than Providence is. But that's where it stands right now. And, and Governor McKee, um, he still has the controversies regarding these employees. He still has the controversies with that Dan Connors from Cumberland, the Cumberland Connection. He starts to bring in his cronies again. Uh, both Connors and then also Tony Silva. Now, who knows what type of deals that he had to cut in order to, you know, agree to take them in. And then and on top of that, the thing that no one highlights is Dan Connors. He's he's an attorney. He's part of our firm. Does he walk away from that, take the state job? No, he's able to maintain both and fill the coffers. They can pretend that they have a, uh, you know, a firewall and, Make sure that he's not doing business with anyone that's doing business with the state. Does anyone really believe that? You know, you go way back. Speaker John Harwood, his office had, um, they were representing, at the time it was Lincoln Greyhound. And he used to say, oh, no, that's, that's not me. That's my partner. <laughs> There's a firewall built in. So, no, no, it has no influence. The, the more money that came into the law firm, the more that he would benefit from so the state has to get serious about some of these reforming some of these things but make no mistake about it the governor is governor mckee right now he's he's really in in dire straits and in facing a challenging three six to nine months you're listening to the john DePetro show this portion of the john DePetro show it's brought to you by lawn doctor your best lawn ever guaranteed and i can tell you with my own experience, what a fantastic job they did and have done with my lawn. The easiest thing to do is log on to their website. It's LawnDoctor.com. LawnDoctor.com. Put in your zip code, your best lawn ever, guaranteed. It's Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island. You can call them, 401-392-1025, but log on to their website, LawnDoctor.com. Folks, you are listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. Joining us right now, folks, it's time for our segment, Politics This Week. It is Justin Katz, Managing Editor, AnchorRising.com. And Justin, let's start off. I want to give credit Channel 12, WPRI. They have an uh, investigative team learned it's not a long story, but just so people understand, you had two, the way we understand this, two representatives from Rhode Island, director of administration, by the way, who is going to be leaving. But this was the Friday before St. Patrick's Day. They traveled to Philadelphia. This has to do with meetings regarding uh, refurbishing, redoing the Cranston Street Armory. He brings with him, I think the best way to describe this individual, it's someone that isn't really known to the public, but so two people travel. One is Jim Thorson, director of administration. The other is David Patton, director of the Department of Administration Division. So something happens in Philadelphia that Patton says something during the course of the day. So it sounds like it wasn't just a one time that we're left to, we're not sure exactly what was said. But when Thorson returns on Friday, he immediately goes to human resources because he recognizes that there's a problem. And then that Monday, Patton suddenly goes out on medical leave and he has not returned. The individuals in, in Philadelphia, they're called Scout, I believe, uh, Limited, they sent an email. They were so incensed at the behavior of Patton to Governor McKee and Speaker Sakachi. Right now, no one is talking what is in the email, and where we stand is Governor McKee is blocking Channel 12 from getting the email. And that's where it picks up that something happened. This guy, quote, is out on medical leave, even though it, he's still obviously being paid. So let, let's start off talking about this little controversy that erupted with this state trip to Philadelphia. Well, there's there's 
so little we know about the actual incident. I mean, it could go either way. It could be, you know, you could imagine it being something uh, that just goes against the political correctness of our times and a very sensitive right. person on their staff went crazy and that's what started it all. Or it could be something, you know, really offensive and, and wrong that he, he did or just uh, poorly, poorly thought out jokes. Who knows? <clears throat> so there, there really shouldn't be controversy. I mean, in, and you, it's pretty easy to say this is a personnel matter. We can't release this at the moment. Uh, but the, something about the way McKee handles things just makes these things yep. into into controversy, saying he hadn't read the email. I mean, how long does it take to read an email? Read it right. before you respond. I mean, it just it gives some sense that you're on top of it. You'll release information when you can, but you've you got to be sensitive to what's going on. Maybe even a clue as to just what sort of thing we're talking about. But you don't get any of that. You just get this almost, almost just belligerent attitude of I'm not releasing it. I haven't read the email, etc. I so I it's it's just kind of surprising how McKee generates controversy from what seems like nothing in in maybe tone deaf response now a couple of things about this justin is number one it sounds like thorson knew something was up because it's not the next week they're totally caught off guard uh when this email arrived from these people in philadelphia so much that they thought to compose it now there's a uh something that has been mildly reported is that jeff Britt who was involved with the Mattiello situation, Channel Lawton, he's the lobbyist now for this company. So, you know, is this a power play? Is this, you know, you don't know what's the political motivation. Do they feel that by drawing attention, making the administration feel defensive, it may kind of give them a position of strength? I mean, that part we don't know. Um, but just the fact that someone immediately goes on medical leave and that Thorson immediately went to human resources upon return leads me to believe that they, you know, I, how did this meeting go? And they represent the state. And just to follow up on you said, Justin, what, what, Governor McKee, they were down there representing the state. This business of I didn't read the email. I, I, it, that's your job to know what is like. It's He's so tone deaf, Justin, on his response to think that that gets him out of having to answer by just saying, I didn't read the email. Right. And, and it also begs questions like, okay, uh, but do you know what it was about? I mean, right. you, you didn't, you don't necessarily have to read it to know what was said or what the controversy is. Uh, and that, it's just that sort of response makes you feel like he, he really does think people are, are stupid. I mean, it's not, yeah. it's just not, I mean, as I said, I can understand, you could even see it, it could be somebody um, Thorson could have um, come back. Thorson, sorry, could have come back and said that person was really angry. Uh, whatever he said, I didn't find offensive. Who knows? You know, right. maybe it was offensive. Maybe it was just the reaction from somebody on on Scout's part. We don't know. But there, there's so little need for controversy. It's just because it's that you're not just asked to say, "Look, this is personnel. We'll we'll let you know when we can." It's you're asked to believe. I don't. I didn't read an email. I, I'm, I'm I'm evading. And that, especially for journalists, that that's like blood water for sharks when you start yes. oh I, I haven't read the email i don't know what you're talking about it's just as you said tone deaf and, and kind of an inept response yeah and it, it may have been something just to put it in perspective that it was someone on the other end that was overly sensitive um thorson identified that that this had turned into a problem maybe maybe it's one of those things you'll look at it and say you know, in this day and age, Justin, someone could have been misidentified gender-wise or didn't use the proper salutation. I'm thinking of the controversy in Massachusetts where that school superintendent, they rescinded the job offer because the guy used the word ladies and the two women on the school committee were not, uh, they, they didn't, they were highly offended by it. They called it a, a um, <clears throat> anyhow, a, a, a microaggression. And so, therefore, they rescinded his job offer. So you don't know if it's something like that. But again, to me, the thing about this is the McKee administration, they have a situation. It's not a major situation, we don't think, but but it's an unknown. And to me, he just fumbles the ball in knowing the proper way to handle it or, you know, coming out and saying, I am aware of the situation. And there's legal reasons why I would not release an email, but I saw it. And, and either A, I tend to agree with them or be 
<clears throat> not sure exactly what what why they were so offended, but we're on top of it. But this thing where he becomes Sergeant Schultz just I just think is annoying. Now also Channel Twelve disclosed and discovered last night, or excuse me, last week that Dan Connors. Now he had been state senator. Um, he was part of the big you know Montebano team. And from Cumberland, State Senator Dan Connors, and he was working in the Raimondo administration, and then he got nailed on a, a DUI, where then he was trying to use his position to get out of it. He resigned immediately, if anything. If not, he would have been terminated. And without any fanfare, Governor McKee announces that Dan Connors is back. Uh, pretty well-paying job with the administration. I want to get your thoughts on that, Justin Katz. Right. Well, this is another one of those things where, you know, on its surface, you know, I don't know that that a potential drinking and driving situation combined with the do you know who I am response to the police should end a person's career. That's debatable. But just the whole the whole principle of the things in Rhode Island, he's a state senator. He was a Raimondo advisor. It's it's like they, they take care of their own. And on top of McKee being now pretty famously um pretty pretty famously favorable to people from Cumberland uh you know it it shows you that what a small pool they have to draw from for these these high paying positions and also really the thing i like to keep an eye on here is this is how they keep people in line you you're once you're in with them if you don't upset them uh, they take care of you. you. You've got your your high paying career in Rhode Island, whether you're bouncing from state office to uh, private campaigns to a nonprofit to a, an elected office. That's just the way it works in Rhode Island. And so you, there's this deep, deep feeling of of people who get special treatment, even if it is reasonable that a guy after some years in the wilderness says, you know what, all right, I'm, I'm going to put my foot back into the game and, and get a state job again because I'm qualified. You know, that's that's all fine, but it, it just comes with this kind of icky feeling of, of just insider special deals. And not, and not only that, but he, he has, and is part of a law firm. So to me, what also just stands out is just the fact that they, they don't want to just be a normal attorney. They want that extra leg up. Um, you know, the, the, the state is filled with a, attorneys who, are just out there trying to practice law. Then you have the attorneys who happen to be state reps, or then you have attorneys who are state senators. And, and that gives a, a, uh, an added advantage. And then you have someone like, um, uh, you know, Dan Connors, who, again, law office of Dan Connors, he wants, in fact, to not only have the state job, but also be able to practice law you know, whatever that would be at night or on the weekends. But to me, Justin, it's all it's almost like having two jobs. It's the the daytime job where McKee would try to argue, you know, it's not that high. It's pretty well paying hundred and you know, fifty or something like that. But the added benefit is then the business that they can then direct into their law firm and the advantage of being at the state house. To me, I agree with you on Connors and and whether or not it's enough uh, to end someone's career. Uh, I think DUI is is one of those things that it's a forgivable crime simply because it's an identifiable. A lot of people think, oh, you know, there was the night that I left the restaurant. If I had been pulled over, blah, blah, blah. But to me, it's it's more of it's a ticket back into the show. It's a ticket back to you're the insider. You get the inside track on things. You know when things are going down. Um, He doesn't want to to me. He doesn't want to compete in a regular world where he doesn't have that advantage. To me, it's almost like a a player that doesn't want to see what his baseball game would, would be like if he was not like on steroids, they, they, right. They, they need to play with the advantage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and you raise a great point. One, one other thing you get a sense of in Rhode Island is that a lot of these state jobs, how much are they really working? I mean, is this the kind of thing where if he has a private client, he has to go to court for a day, he can skip out and just, you know, still collect his paycheck from the state. You don't, you really don't know those things. It makes me think, I mean, you know, I'm involved in some, some, you know, working with lawyers in my 
my daily work. And there are, I've, I've run into issues where some of them will have a state job or a government job and they'll want to, they'll want to just have some side, keep their, keep their side practice going. And they're very, very particular about what they can and cannot do. They, they cannot act as a lawyer for other people because it would be potentially a conflict of interest. And you don't hear that much among the, the lawyers in, in Rhode Island who work for the government. There's, there seems to be no concern about that. And we've talked before about how, especially the ones who were Speaker of the House, if they're in front of a judge, the judge will say, Mr. Speaker, you know, that kind of thing yeah. in the courtroom. Uh, it's, it's really the you'd think the Rhode Island bar would would pull pull the strings a little bit more tightly. So it doesn't feel like just, again, this this insider class that, that can do whatever they want. And there's it's almost like you're not allowed to question whether they're creating unethical circumstances by representing multiple people when they have state jobs. Folks, quick break, much more ahead. Politics this week with Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. This portion of our program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, right off of 146. Delicious food and drink, always a nice crowd. You can either eat in the lounge area, there's normally a game on and a nice group of people there or you could sit out in the dining room don't forget the nice weather they have the deck open the lodge pub and eatery 40 breakneck hill road in lincoln delicious food and drinks awaiting for you i'll see you at the lodge our segment is politics this week with us is justin katz managing editor anchorising.com well justin um providence mayor brett smiley had a press held a press conference last week and i thought it was interesting because i do remember attending a press briefing where it was just providence police saying they were going to do something about these atvs that terrorize and they fill the city streets and mayor alorza basically tried to turn a blind eye to them until it really exploded uh, but immediately upon this press conference where mayor smiley and the chief of police are going to dedicate a team of people to track them down which i think is a, a better approach it's a proactive approach as opposed to someone who's on duty who then suddenly has to try to respond to it. In some way, this is the people are going to be working on it, uh, you know, investigative tools and so forth. But immediately after the announcement of these ATVs that do not belong on city streets, there was then pushback from both Black Lives Matter, uh, some other organizations and the ACLU. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts about Mayor Smiley trying to go after a quality of life issue in the city of Providence? Well, to, to some extent, as far as I understand what the ACLU in particular is concerned about, is you know, the surveillance and the, that sort of thing. And I share a lot right. of those concerns. I mean, we don't want to get to where we've got tele cameras everywhere on every square, square inch of the, the capital city just to deal with the excuses, just to deal with ATVs and bikers. But what, what strikes me is the whole thing seems odd. Why do you need, I mean, they talk about the, working with the biking community and going undercover. And is this, is this a gang? I mean, it makes me think of, uh, I don't know, police academy two citizens on patrol in the eighties, you know, it's like, like there's a gang and you got to infiltrate the gang of bikers. Is that really how it works? Or is it just a bunch of people doing things that they shouldn't be doing because they've been getting away with it. And uh, which leads me to wonder why we don't just have enough, say, beat cops, enough cops out there to give out tickets, pull a couple over, give them big tickets. Uh, if somebody runs away, you catch them, you, you charge them with evading, uh, evading arrest or, or whatever the term is. And you do that a couple of times. And I think you'll, you'll start to see it clear up unless this really is like uh, a euphemism for gang activity. And they just happen to bike for fun when they're really running, running you know, full on gangs in the city. But the, that's what makes the whole thing feel so odd. I don't know what the, what the difficulty is here. Um, well, they're, they're tough to, they don't stop. And so when you have a pack of 25 of them and then you're trying to stop them, they, they can go on sidewalks. I mean, they they elude police. They they don't follow laws. They go through all the red lights. Uh, if any, you know, they they are problematic because then they also they are they're loud. They do wheelies. It is distracting in traffic, but it it's it's difficult for police to try to to try to stop them simply because it's not like pulling over someone normally on a motorcycle. There's so many of them. Um, they did have an incident. I. I 
I'm going to disagree. I, I think this is at least positive that Mayor Smiley's trying to uh, address this. I know that some of the the elements that got attention for the press briefing was the, um, you know, the elements of using the, the certain cameras, the flock cameras and and trying to track them a little bit. But it does seem when police are out chasing them, it's taking them away from doing other things. But they they can be a challenge for law enforcement to try to stop because there's so many and then they can circle around. And, you know, I, I have footage where the police in their car just can't maneuver the way they can on these ATVs. Right. Well, I mean, and that's understandable, but, you know, you, you, you catch one or two and charge them with evading police and, and that you can rack up the, the penalties there. So I, it feels like there's, there's kind of a, there's a, uh, I don't know, a, a reluctance to really crack down because they'll, they'll, you'll get, then you get the, you know, the progressive lawyers and the, the, you know, the trying to say, this is this trying to, trying to prevent the police from doing their job. And, and as you mentioned it, I mean, I, I do recall, it wasn't, it was only a few years ago, the, the, the guy got in an accident trying to evade the police and the police came that under big time fire for that. Huge. And, uh, October and so, of 2020. Yep. So in that, in that way, awesome. we're, we're kind of seeing the repercussions of kind of giving in and that progressive kind of attitude of, Oh, seeing racism everywhere. Somebody evading the police on an ATV got in an accident, got hurt. So what? We're not going to we're not going to stop them. So it seems like that is really the the core of the problem. And rather than digging into and I, I agree, it's it's good that Smiley's trying to do something. But um, the, rather than kind of ratcheting up the secret police, so to speak, I mean, Providence won't even do that as much for gang violence anymore. Right. So we're, so we're going to start doing it for ATVs and bikers. It just seems very strange to go down that path when really what we have to do is is. Be more assertive. If you're breaking the law, you're going to get a ticket. If you try to evade the police, you're going to you're going to be arrested, and that's a pretty big penalty. And if you if you get in an accident trying to evade the police, sorry, but that was really not a. We're not going to just let this people these people run rampant on a city because somebody might get in an accident trying not to be arrested. I mean, that's at some point you you've got to stop treating it like you know, like you're you're, you're going to do a big investigation and, and just admit these are people doing criminal things and they need to be arrested and, and we need the news media to stop being so looking for these stories of the, the personal story of the guy who tried to get away from the police. I mean, that, right. that, that kind of just, it really does start to affect quality of life. And when you can't crack down, I mean, it feels like a, a deteriorating, uh, deteriorating state or city. I mean, that's that's what it, it starts to feel like things to falling apart, and you need to you need to get that under control because it just it just will spiral as fewer people go into the city, fewer people start businesses there. Fewer that's people right. Want to live there? That's an excellent uh, point. And yes. so so it's it, at some point, you know, the I know we we're awash in progressives and Democrats in Rhode Island, but at some point they have to just say no, sorry, we're not gonna we're not exactly gonna fall right. for the the yep. sympathetic view. We've got to enforce the law because people are being affected. It's going to end up harming our city and lots yep. and lots of people. And you just don't get that attitude. It's like they no. want to pretend they want to pretend that doesn't exist. And not only that, just to finish the point, Justin, you know that's how it all starts. That you know one person, you have two panhandlers at a red light, and someone says, "Oh, who cares? There's only two of them." Well, two becomes four. And four becomes 20 and 20 becomes 40. And the next thing you know, you have panhandlers at all these sites. Some homeless people pitch a tent and the progressives say, oh, who cares? It's just one tent. Well, then it's five tents and then it's 20 tents. And the next thing you know, they have these encampments of these people that are living outside. It all starts somewhere. It all starts with when you start to just allow just a little bit like the one time or who cares or it's not a big deal. And the next thing you know, it, that that's how it started. Oh, who cares? It's just a couple of ATVs. The next thing you know, and it's not once in a while, it's every night. And then it's later into the night, and it just continues to go and go. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Politics this week. Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. Get the most of your outdoor space with Limitless Outdoors. Call today for a free quote, 401-580-1852. Limitless Outdoors, they specialize in patios, walkways, 
steps. They did a fantastic job on my outside steps. Outdoor kitchens, landscape lighting, retaining walls, lawn installations, excavation. Call Limitless Outdoors today. Let's dream, build, and enjoy. 401 580 1852 based in smithfield limitless outdoors they also do indoor fireplaces or outdoor fireplaces limitless outdoors call them today free quote get the most of your outside you're gonna love what they can do for you 401-580-1852 401-580-1852 limitless outdoors dream build enjoy Our segment is politics this week. With us is Justin Katz, managing editor, AnchorRising.com. Justin, apparently, uh, and Ted Nisi has been good about this of WPRI. He followed up with the Fed, and the Federal Reserve, they confirmed they received Governor McKee's letter, and that's all they would say about it. As he's, to me, walking around, thumping his chest, saying, that's right, I fired off a letter to the Federal Reserve. The lowest interest rates. Now, as you would put, the Wall Street Journal, as we had talked about, they highlighted that. Um, I, I, I don't recall. Maybe you know. I think Governor McKee said he had not seen the Wall Street Journal. I don't think it got played up enough locally, and I was disappointed the Rhode Island Republican Party didn't make hay with it. I mean, it is the Wall Street Journal, and it completely summed up exactly the situation that Governor McKee's in with the soccer stadium. So I'm just curious your thoughts on Federal Reserve and and we did tell you, you were actually the first one to mention the Wall Street Journal piece. Yeah, the well I read McKee's letter and it just I don't know. On the surface I guess there's nothing objectionable about a governor saying this these changes will have these negative effects. But the way it's written is almost as if you know, the Federal Reserve knows these arguments. It's not like right. it's not like they're slapping their foreheads and saying, "Oh, this is going to harm people in Rhode Island." We didn't even think of that. I mean, it's just kind of, kind of, it's like almost like a a letter you'd send to a business. You know, I'm going to stop shopping there or something like that. I don't know, but it's it's just the. What, very it, parochial. Very yeah, parochial. exactly. Exactly. As if as if the Federal Reserve is saying, OK, I care about, you know, this. we've got bigger things to do than worry about a million people in Rhode Island. You know, that's a, and a lot of the the implicit things. I mean, he talks in a letter about how, the, you know, the borrowing costs are going to exclude people from the housing market. You know, that made me think of the, the housing boom and the market crash in 08. That's exactly the attitude, in my view, that caused the problem was this idea. Well, well, if you if they can't borrow, they can't have homes. OK, well, we have to lower standards. We have to keep the rates down. But the implicit thing is he's saying we can't capitalize on all the free money we got from the Fed if we can't borrow at low interest rates. We are living on debt. That's what that says yeah. to me. We he, he says he wants to do He's doing everything he possibly can to to keep the economy afloat and, and get us moves forward. Well, no, you're not. You're doing you're trying to do everything you can short of letting people just conduct themselves in a free economy. You're trying to borrow and keep the, the money train going for the special interests in the state, especially the labor unions. That's what he's trying to do. And I think somebody like the, the Federal Reserve chairman is going to see right through that, right through the letter and see, see, this is a politician trying to keep interest rates low so he doesn't have to deal with the consequences of public policy in Rhode Island. And that's something that should really bother Rhode Islanders. Do you th- what do you think of uh, Justin Katz on? I believe just talking about the Rhode Island Republican Party and especially the soccer stadium. I'm pretty sure last fall Channel 12 had a poll and the soccer stadium was. I, I think they were I, I'm going to I don't remember exactly, but I'm going to guess it was somewhere around 70 percent were against the stadium. Might even been like 75, 25 type of poll number. I believe that's the type of issue the Rhode Island Republican Party, uh, which we both want to succeed. But I think that's the type of thing where they should become the face of the opposition. And I, I believe it's a, a missed opportunity to not highlight the Wall Street Journal piece. I think the Rhode Island Republican Party, it should almost be if you're against the stadium, then, you know, consider yourself you then you're almost like a member of the Republican Party, Then you're a Republican, kind of like the old you know, there was the comedian used to do the thing, then this makes you a redneck. If you da-da-da and have a six-pack in the bathtub, you are a redneck. 
I, I think they, they could do more to highlight uh, what the party stands for, and that is the face of the opposition against these boondoggle-type projects like the soccer stadium. I, I agree with you, although I have some sympathy, and we've discussed often how in the past, I don't know, four years or so, it's like the news media has given itself permission not to pay attention to people they sure. don't like. And so uh, it's almost, I, I don't know how much traction they'll get. And the uh, part of it, it's telling that there wasn't a lot of coverage of the Wall Street Journal's article here uh, about McKee. It's, it's almost like the news media knows they don't want to give ammunition because what they really care about are all the social issues and abortion and, and all identity politics. And so they can't let the Republican Party get away with saying we're the party opposing the soccer stadium. We're the party of better governance because then, if they do that, then they then they risk letting Republicans get more leverage, and maybe then they'll go after those social issues that really really matter to the journalists and the Democrats and progressives. And so I think that's that's a big a big problem. And then I mean, there's another issue we talk about frequently is who on the Republican side is is you know, from, from a business background or a competence background wants to step into this. That's, I think, what it would take, not only just saying, hey, this was a terrible article in the Wall Street Journal and McKee's doing bad things, but saying, I'm the person who, as governor, can fix this and I bring my experience to bear and I, should, I can make a reasonable claim at this. That person is not emerging because, well, first of all, the it's it's very difficult to be a Republican in the state. You're, you're attacked by all sides, your own allies as well. There's no way to keep everybody in line. But then you just become the the go-to punching bag for everybody in the state. Oh, Ron DeSantis said something in Florida. What do you think of that uh, person running for governor in Rhode Island? You know, that kind of thing. So I, there's just no reason for those people who could give the Republican Party's complaints about justified complaints about these things give it some kind of teeth and some kind of political momentum it's just it, this the deck is too too stacked against them folks again our segment is politics this week with us is dustin katz managing editor anchorising.com well justin the uh, number of candidates continue to uh file for cd1 i think it's interesting that mark patinkin who's still doing a column for the providence journal um, suddenly thought like, oh, okay, there's a name I recognize. I think I'll do a piece on Arlene Violet, who was mentioning at age 79, she's not ready for pickleball in Florida and so forth. A um, couple more people. I think some of the bigger ones to watch, I think this business of whether or not if, if Aaron Ruggenberg is in fact going to run, there's a number of people that just throw their name in. I don't understand some of these individuals that you know, they, they maybe ran for an office and lost, but then somehow think that they can pull this off. But again, people have different motivations. But the, the, the window is definitely narrowing. You have to announce by, by June. So there's definitely going to be uh, some kind of play. I think the, the possibility of one of the mayors of Pawtucket, uh, Grabian, or De Silva of, of East Providence, I think that's uh, an interesting dynamic. But I'm just curious some of your thoughts on where things stand. We still don't have a, a true uh, Republican candidate who's running. I know Aaron Gukian, who had run for lieutenant governor, and I think he wisely chose not to. He doesn't live in the district. Um, you don't want to run again and lose. But I'm just curious, um, what, what are your latest thoughts on the, the race to take the Cicilline seat for CD1? Well, one of the things I find interesting, and this got some airing with, with uh, Brown Professor Wendy Schiller and Jim Hummel on, on PBS, was uh, the, uh, this idea that oh, what really ought to be a woman and a woman of color, preferably, because that, that's what we really need. Uh, and I think that there's a there's a growing, growing call for that kind of leverage. And I think we, you see that in some of the kinds of people who are putting their names in, is they're saying, I, I fit the profile, so I'm going to run. And I, I think that's a very, I, I, that to me is a very kind of dangerous attitude to have that we're electing people based on those sorts of demographics. I mean, if, if the best person is a minority woman, great, that's, that's wonderful. But to, to pick the person, to pick the, to pick the profile and then try to elect somebody to, who fits it just strikes me as, as, as very, very wrong and, and destructive. But that, that will make things a little bit interesting as, say, Aaron Regenberg ramps up and tries to get into the race. What will happen to his progressive base of support is possible 
that that could be split, which I think leads to somebody could sneak in that the gap like in Arlene Violet. But I think, as you said, particularly in the Democrat primary, uh, by the time they get to the election, they'll they'll close up ranks and vote for the, the Democrat one way or another. But I think that that is an interesting possibility, although I haven't seen anybody uh, other than, I guess, Arlene, who could who could really march through there. Although, I mean, you raised some of the mayors, a practical, a practical mayor could potentially you know, take advantage of, of a division between the identity politics progressives and somebody like Aaron Regenberg, who's more an establishment progressive. Um, now, just touching on, since you, you saw it and I did not, on Lively, I think that's interesting. Were they saying that that is what the voters want or Hummel and Wendy Schiller of Brown University, or were they almost kind of announcing that this time around, here's who the person should be? Well, I, my impression is it was mostly Wendy Schiller saying, in my opinion, you know, this is what it ought to be. You know, there's a, there's oh, a okay. strong, strong desire for this across the country. You know, it wasn't it wasn't like I don't it wasn't analysis like I that I think we're going to get this. I think it's it's much more. This is what for, for the sake of justice, this is what we ought to be. Schiller said basically that um, a woman of woman of color could represent everybody but there's i forget the phrase she used it was kind of one of those progressive phrases that makes goose pimples stand up on my arms but it so if she could she, her very presence would would be very important to certain people who feel unrep, underrepresented that kind of thing but but she could still represent everybody else and so it was it was really that kind of more academic this is this is where we ought to go rather than an analysis of this is what the polls are showing this is who should who who's, looks I like see. they're going to win justin do you justin catch do you see a lane for a republican to and run a campaign that could win that seat you know i i i don't know i i think there could be um I mean, maybe somebody like if I, I, he probably doesn't want to give it another shot, but somebody in a similar role to Alan Fung or similar similar position okay. could potentially do that. If if you get this division among the Democrats, uh, bad blood between, say, Aaron Regenberg running against all the, the identity politics folks um, that could split the Democrats. Still, it's a very, very they, they've got people in the media. Uh, age them. Anything that happens anywhere in the country, uh, Tennessee, they, they eject some people from their from their legislature you can't vote for republicans in rhode island uh judge in texas rules against and uh, puts a hold on fda approval of uh, abortion pills oh you can't vote for republicans in rhode island i mean they, they they beat that drum so effectively and the media lets them get away with it and and let, it joins into it so I, it makes it very very difficult you know i do like the fact is this jamestown businessman and i don't know anything about him donald carlson but I do like the fact that this CD1 race would just come out who's not part of the insiders, doesn't know anyone anything. <laughs> uh, he is a white male. But again, I know nothing about his beliefs or background. But I do like the fact that someone would kind of jump in and most challenge the status quo. Because I almost view the party right now, whether it's that of Sabina Matos, and it's, it's almost as if they feel like, all right, it's got to be our seat. Now it's just a matter of let's you know, you know, horse trade here and let's decide who's going to get the seat. But first and foremost, it's going to be our seat. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we ought to have a lot more people saying they're jumping in. And just, the fact that you're you're somebody on the Democrat side who, who ran for office or who held a, a legislative seat for a short period or as a mayor, that's not who's limited to Congress. Congress is supposed to be kind of like the House of Commons in, in England, right? It's, it's supposed to be anybody can get these seats. And so it's good to see people jump in. Although, I, you know, as I said, I'm not optimistic about anybody's chances of doing that. Right. Folks, again, our segment Politics This Week, he is Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com. Justin, excellent job as always. Uh, the McKee things and the controversies with the governor, I think that's something to keep an eye on. Um, he's um, He definitely right now, this could be a rough spring for Governor McKee, and we're going to talk about it. Folks, again, it's Justin Katz. Justin, great job, and we'll talk to you again. Thank you, John. Get your driveway paved. J. Perry Paving. Letter J, J. Perry Paving. High quality, 
fair pricing, exceptional service, over 25 years experience, specialized commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating. Call for a free estimate today, 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. Hey, learn about the benefits of asphalt paving, whether it's a brand new paving project or a cracked driveway. It's affordable, smooth, safe to drive on, aesthetically appealing. Asphalt can be recycled, reused. J. Perry Paving, a licensed and insured contracting company committed to meeting your needs. No matter how big, how small, contact them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. What a difference it makes for your driveway, for your business, parking lot, J, letter J, J. Perry Paving, 401-732-1730, online at J perrypaving.com and look for them on facebook you're listening to the john DePietro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm can always listen online at the website dipetro.com well things are definitely heating up with the congressional district one that is the seat currently held by congressman cicilline he's vacating at the end of may and what really has opened up the floodgates, I believe, is it's more about who announced that they're not going to run for that. One was Speaker Sakachi, The other was CVS executive who ran a very strong race for Governor Helena Bonanno folks. So I think it's interesting that she's not uh, running for that. She's keeping her eye. She would like to be the governor. She kind of made peace with governor mckee the first few days after the primary but after the whole hang up on her but not so much you haven't seen him appoint her to anything so he, he still views her uh as, as an adversary which he would be wise to do so who does that leave well that leaves lieutenant governor sabina matos she is running to replace uh take that seat cd1 congressional district one which is woonsocket cumberland lincoln smithfield and then it goes all the way over to the east bay it goes into east providence it goes into Pawtucket, it goes into newport and then all the way into jamestown so right now the lieutenant governor is almost seen as the front runner for it and partly is just because of she has won she did win statewide office in november and she has nothing to lose but someone else who's going to jump in is this Aaron Ruggenberg. So I don't know if everyone fully knows who he is, but he's an activist. He's held uh, um, office as far as being a, a rep at the Rhode Island State House. He ran for lieutenant governor in 2018, and he was in a primary against then Lieutenant Governor Dan McKee, and Aaron Ruggenberg lost by 1,500 votes now that was the election that at the time then governor Raimondo had a democrat primary challenge from matt brown well there certainly has been a lot of speculation that if Raimondo had not had a primary then mckee would have lost because there were conventional wisdom was that a lot of the Raimondo voters were also mckee voters so as a result of that in many ways, there certainly was a feeling that that her being involved in the primary drew out her supporters, and that's really what McKee put him over the finish line. Otherwise, if Gina Raimondo had not had a primary challenge in September of 2018, then there's a very good possibility that Aaron Ruggenberg would have then been lieutenant governor because Dan McKee won in 2014, and then he barely won that primary in 2018 so ruggenberg you think about that that was a statewide race he came up 1500 votes short and take Ramundo out he certainly makes a compelling argument that he would have won that that primary so he is someone that lives it breathes it i don't agree with his positions and issues but he's an organizer he's an activist even though he's not been holding office, and he was working for Mayor Alorza, actually. I think he had a six-figure job with Mayor Alorza. But I have been downtown when he's on the bullhorn and he's leading the protests. 
and went to Brown, um, independently wealthy, I believe trust fund type of situation. Um, Aaron Ruggenberg, I've seen him, again, not a fan, but I've seen him organize protests in, about the Supreme Court. He was very much out there. Uh, the, the big night after the, some of the George Floyd, the riot and the protest in downtown Providence. He's tied in with or was with many of those protesters. And he is someone that knows how to get people together. I've seen him on the bullhorn and there weren't 20 people. There were a lot more people. He is very tough on the street he will be a tough campaigner. Now, he chose not to challenge Sabina Matos for in a primary for lieutenant governor. But I think it would be interesting. You have white male, Seth Magaziner, is the congressional district two rep. Again, Ruggenberg. He is very aggressive. He has won. And he ran a very credible statewide race. So I would almost make him the front runner in that CD1 race. And then the Arlene Violet, I'm still not convinced she's going to run. I think she likes getting some of the attention. Uh, nothing wrong with that, by the way. I think when it comes down to it, and I've also heard that she's rethinking her position and maybe might run as a Democrat, but there's a big difference between someone that does some interviews and they kind of like the attention and people are contacting them and you know there's like a buzz a little bit hey you know blah 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 uh big difference between that and then really pulling the trigger and running i'm not convinced she's ready to announce that she doesn't have to by the way still have till june primary will be in september the general will be in november uh i i think arlene violet in the race my former colleague who i'm very fond of a valley breeze columnist i I, as I have said, I think her chances in a Democrat primary are far better than a general because then she could she get 15% of the vote? Very possible. Just get the elderly vote. Um, a lot of people still were, obviously, she was very popular on the radio and then had been attorney general. She was part of the organizers of starting Operation Clean Government and then has stayed visible with her column in the Valley Breeze. So, um, and, and I noticed the Providence Journal immediately jumped on that because, hey, it's, it's a name, right? She's, she's been around for quite some time. All right, so that's how I see the CD1 race. And then there's also a businessman in Jamestown. Still no talk yet that I've heard of a credible Republican candidate, but there's still time to go. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Falcon Pest Services. 12 months of the year, you could have a pest problem. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts called Falcon Pest Services today, 401-739-1322. Free consultation, 401-739-1322. Locally owned and operated, serving Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. They offer services for termites, bed bugs, ants, roaches, mice, rats in the summertime spring fall mosquitoes and many other pests call today for a free consultation whether it's for your home or a restaurant maybe it's once a year maybe it's once a month call falcon pest services today free consultation 401-739-1322 residential and commercial whether it's an office building a school a hotel a restaurant or your home call falcon Pest services today. Free consultation, 401-739-1322.